You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open Holy Scripture and read God's Word in the Old Testament. 1 Kings 16, verse 29 through chapter 17, verse 16. In the thirty-eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel twenty-two years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. In Ahab's time, Heel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son Abiram, and he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me, from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, 
The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. The text for the sermon is taken from the scripture reading in 1 Kings 17, and we'll read those verses again, 1 Kings 17, verse 1 and 4 and 9. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And then in verse 4, the Lord is speaking to Elijah. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. And verse 9, the Lord's speaking to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the economy would likely have been quite good, thriving in Ahab's Israel. King Ahab had taken good care of international relations. He had married Jezebel. Jezebel was the daughter of the king of the Sidonians. Marrying the daughter of the king of the Sidonians would have been a good economic move, would have been good for trade. Sidon was good to have as a trading partner. And along with Jezebel from Sidon came Baal, the god of storm and rain, the god of fertility, which, of course, would help to ensure a fertile land. Having an extra god around, and then this kind of god would no doubt bring prosperity. But of course, a new God also needs a new support system. So we read that an altar went up for Baal. And then a temple went up for Baal in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah pole, an image or images which were part of the fertility religion. Lots of public spending public works projects, lots of religious economic activity. And finally, Ahab, confident in the prosperity which he had now secured, Ahab still in the mood for building projects, Ahab had Jericho rebuilt, a whole city once raised to the ground by the word and work of the Lord, A whole city once raised to the ground was built up again from the foundations to the gates. All in all, it would have been a healthy and thriving economy. 
And one thing we shouldn't miss in all of this, there was a direct relation between what Ahab saw as the source of his prosperity and what was going to be the prime object of his spending. See, if Baal over here secures and enhances your wealth and your prosperity, then you are going to spend a good deal of your income on Baal. That's an automatic economic link. Where we think our income comes from is going to have a heavy influence on how and where we spend it. And where and how we spend our income is going to reflect where we think we got it from. There is a direct relation. As religious as it is economic, and as economic as it is religious. If we think that what we have is the direct result of our hard labor and our efforts and our time, or the direct result of market forces, then we would, for example, have real trouble giving, giving it away. Why would we do that? Remember where I got this from, from all my hard work, from, from my time, my efforts, my, my carefully arranged investment strategies, the, the carefully balanced market forces which I watched. We're going to have real trouble giving to the Lord, seeing the cause of the Lord in the picture, the church, the needy, Christian education for our children. If we don't see the Lord as the giver and the provider, thankful, spiritual, religious, economic giving makes no sense. If it's from me, I spend it on me. If it's from the market, I must quickly return it to the market to get more. And if we don't see the Lord as the source of our income, we might just very quickly end up throwing a whole lot of our income into Jericho projects, building our Jerichos, things which have nothing to do with what the Lord wants, nothing to do with Christ's kingdom. In fact, we know from Scripture that building Jericho is against what the Lord wants, against His Word. So building Jericho basically says what I am busy with is antithetical to Christ's kingdom, but I will do it because I want to and because I can even if it costs me the Lord's blessing, even if it costs lives, if it costs me my family, my destiny, the kingdom. Building Jericho comes at great cost. Losing sight of the Lord, who is the giver of the land, the kingdom. But the Lord God has His eye on King Ahab. Nothing goes unnoticed. By the Lord God, He is the living God. He sends His prophet Elijah, and then the Lord goes to work with His Word. The Lord goes to work with His Word. The Word of the Lord plays the central role 
throughout the whole passage which, which we read. The Lord goes to work with His Word to expose and to confront and to reveal Himself as the only true and living God who works on to the kingdom of His Son through His living Word. So the first thing that the Lord God does is to disrupt. God disrupts the flow of prosperity in King Ahab's kingdom. The Lord God disrupts the system which Ahab and Jezebel had put in place when they brought in Baal. There is now to be no dew or rain for years. And Baal, the god of storm and rain, Baal won't be able to do anything about it. He will be exposed as nothing, as no god, as false god. And Ahab won't be able to do anything about it. His system will be exposed as empty. You can tweak all the economic policies you want. You can manipulate the markets all you want. But if there is no rain, Ahab's system falls to pieces. Not only his economic system, obviously, but his spiritual system. Because his economic system was based on trust. You trust in Baal to do what Baal does. So the Lord God sets out to disrupt the system in a, in a fundamental, foundational way, as the Lord God can do. Baffling climate changes, storms and earthquakes and tsunamis and floods and economic systems and market forces throughout the world. The Lord can do that. The Lord God can shake all the things that we thought were so stable. Now, in the text, this is part of God's revelation. When the Lord acts that way today, it is part of His providence, His providential rule. So, that means we cannot very quickly say that the Lord is doing such and such when some disaster happens or when the climate changes or the Lord is doing so and so when the earth moves and and the market changes because the Lord doesn't tell us like He did tell Ahab through Elijah. That was God's revelation. God works in His providence today and doesn't always tell us what He is doing, doesn't. So we have to be careful. But He is the same God. He is the same God today who revealed Himself in the days of Elijah and Ahab. He is the God of all creation who can disrupt as He needs to to break down the false systems of trust which do rule in the kingdom of man. And the Lord does that so that we, His people, can learn when God, by His providence, exposes the tottering, empty, spiritual foundations of the world kingdom. So the Lord disrupts. He is the living God. 
The next thing that the Lord does is send his word away. The Lord says to Elijah, go away, go away and hide yourself. And which is worse? Which is worse, that the dew and the rain stop, that God disrupts the system, or that the word of God goes into hiding? Right? Which is worse, heaven closed or heaven really closed? See, if you have the word of God, you still have the connection to the God who disrupts the dew and the rain. That's very rich comfort for God's people. When, when the climate changes, when the earth moves, when the economy and the markets are so unfavorable, it can be a scary thing. But we still have Christ coming to us right here. Christ's prophetic word, which secures God's blessing and the eternal kingdom for us. We still have direct access through Christ to the God of heaven who moves the creation, who rules all the forces of nature from heaven. But that's what Ahab didn't have anymore. And really, that is the truly terrifying thing. God's word went into hiding. Not just heaven closed, dew and rain, but heaven really closed, God's word taken away. It's a warning from the Lord to his people. If we don't listen to and take care of the word of God in Christ, if we depend on Baal and turn our work and spending to Jericho projects, the Lord says, watch out. Before we know it, we can't find Elijah. Not only heaven closed of the dew and the rain, heaven is closed in a much worse way. And now as the word of God goes into hiding, the Lord takes the Lord takes care of His Word. He makes special provision for the prophet Elijah. The Lord does it two times. Two times to make the point. First with the ravens and then with the widow. And, and as we see the Lord's provision and the Lord's care, we shouldn't lose sight of the bigger picture because the Lord is showing here on a small scale what what is supposed to be evident in the big picture. He is the God who provides. He turns on and off the dew and the rain. And He is the only one to be trusted because He lives. And He works from heaven to make or withhold provision on earth. And look how God can and does make provision, even in the details, in the small things. And then we also have to remember who this provision is for. It's for Elijah, and then also for the widow and her son, inasmuch as she has a task to care for Elijah. 
The Lord provides special care for Elijah because it is the Lord's special care for his word. He still has a purpose for his word, for his people. God is taking care of his word, which will come back one day out of hiding in God's time with blessing and a future for his people in the kingdom of Christ. So this does remind us of how the Lord works. He has his purpose. He has his purpose also how and where he sends provision to his people today. God is working towards his kingdom and he will provide as he wills, to whom he wills, where he wills, and preserve his church as the bearer of his word in the world until God's work is done, until his name is all glorious. And that's at the same time a comforting and a sobering truth. It's comforting because what and how the Lord provides for us when we stay with his word in Christ will always be enough. Will always be enough to bring us and others to the kingdom of his son. But it's also sobering. Because this does, this does mean we should not expect to build our kingdoms to obtain our glory here and now. Or where and how we expect it. The Kareth Ravine, ravens, a widow in Sidon, that, that's obviously It's meant to be obviously not the stuff of prosperity. Nor is it what we would expect or where we would expect it from. But it is enough with a view to God's word and work going forward to the kingdom of Christ. Now, as the Lord sends Elijah on his way, we hear the The Lord also tells how he will provide. The Lord also tells how he will provide. Verse 4, the Lord says, I have ordered, I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there at the brook. And verse 9, very similar words. The Lord says, I have commanded a widow there in Sidon to provide for you. Notice that the Lord doesn't just say, go over there and the ravens will provide for you. And then go over there and a widow will provide for you. The Lord doesn't say it that way. The Lord says, go over there and I have commanded the ravens. And then again, go over there and I have commanded a widow. God's word from heaven working on earth. And as the Lord commanded, so the ravens did. As the Lord commanded, so the widow did. 
The Lord's care, the Lord's rule is very deliberate and controlled by his word from heaven on earth. See, things don't just happen here on earth. Or things don't just happen and God just so happens to know ahead of time what's going to happen and and how you'll get your next meal. No, God says he actually makes it happen. He commands the ravens. He commands the widow. He sends his word. He commands the skies. He commands the weather. He commands the markets. He commands the employment rate. He commands the land and the herds and the earth and the water. The bread on the table. Remember, this is what God was trying to teach his people in the days of Ahab and Baal. That's why it's recorded like this for Israel and for us. The Lord wants us to hear it and to, and to see his word in action. I have commanded the ravens. I have commanded a widow. That's how things happen. As God preserves a people to carry his word, the gospel of his son in this world towards his kingdom. There is also more going on with the ravens and the widow. It's ravens and a widow who listen to God's command, who listen to God's word. Ravens and a widow do what God says. They hear God's word. Even though it is, again, obviously not natural at all for either ravens or the widow to do what God says. And we can hear that directly from the widow's mouth. She says, but I don't have enough. Well, maybe just enough for me and my son to eat in order to prepare to die. So she reveals, it is revealed to us, she has a child to care for during a time of famine. So really, how in the world would anyone even dare to ask her for provision? It's all very unnatural. But she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And of course, we cannot really expect ravens to be such sharing and caring creatures. Ravens are scavengers. Why would they share when they pretty much exist only to take whatever they can get? But no, both the ravens and the widow give themselves to the word of God wholly, unreservedly. Apparently, they just rest in God's word. One more important piece of information to make the point. The widow, the widow, and the word of God is clear to tell us, the widow comes from Sidon. Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. 
And that, that's Baal's country. That's where Jezebel came from, along with Baal. That's where a widow does according to the word of the Lord. A poor widow in Baal's country does better with the word of God than the king does in God's country. In all of this, the Lord God is showing the power of his word, even while he is caring for his word. Look, Israel, at the word of God, which he is taken care of over here at the Kareth Brook and then over there in Sidon, caring for his word for your future in his kingdom. See that it is a powerful word. See that it is a providing word. See that God's word is the word with a future. You can trust God. You can trust his word. You must, because he is life. He commands, and it is done. Elijah with the ravens and Elijah with the widow is God's word not only to hear, but God's word on display in action. Look at the word of God. Look at the God of the word. See that he is the God of creation and the God of his own who rests in his word. He is not only God behind the massive disruptions in the foundations of the world system, if he needs to be, but he is also the God of unlikely provision, one raven at a time, one day at a time, one brook at a time, one widow at a time, one prophet at a time, if he needs. He is God not only of the promised land, but God also at the brook east of the Jordan and in Sidon, the home state of Baal. He is God not only of the church, but of the world, not only of his people, but of creation. He is God not only of the unemployment, but also the employment, one job at a time. He is God not only of the earthquakes and the storms, but of the bread on the table and the check at the end of the month. He is God not only of the check at the end of my month's work, but he is the God of the deacon's assistance for the needy. Really, if Elijah would take his provision from God, Through a widow, we may with confidence receive it from God through the deacons. Maybe, maybe entirely unexpected provision for us, but it's from the faithful Lord God. He is the God of everything, of everywhere, of everyone, of every means, and of every care. And he is ours and we are his through our mediator and chief prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, the greater than Elijah, saved us from our idolatries, revealing the living God to us, 
the one true God who speaks his word and it is done. It is for Christ's sake towards his coming as the word made flesh that these things are revealed to us through Elijah for our sake. So that we may know that we may trust the God who lives and speaks, who acts and saves, who preserves his word in the world. He preserves his word in Christ in the world. And calls us to hear and preserve his word. As he brings a people out of the darkness of sinful idolatry. Into the kingdom of life and light. The kingdom of the one true God and his son. It is for us to look to him. The one true living God. Not turn away from him. To trust in him. Trust in his powerful word. Yes, he disrupts and he hides. But he does not disrupt for us. Nor hide from us the way to his kingdom. When we stay close to Elijah. To the prophetic word. Stay close to Christ. The word incarnate. God promises to provide all that is necessary. That we may be first and foremost. The people of his word in Christ. Trusting, obeying. Then we will be the people of his unshakable, prosperous, eternal kingdom. The kingdom that is given to sinners in Christ. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.